Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim Centric Podcast where we hope to educate, inspire and entertain on issues relevant to Muslim life and I'm your host Aman. I'm recording this introduction in April 2021 just before Ramadan. We've had quite a lengthy break since last Ramadan due to the COVID pandemic and working in the NHS I just left very little time for making these podcasts but we hope to be a lot more regular now. We've also spent a bit of time over the last few months working on our website, which is muslimcentricpodcast.com. And on that website, you'll find all of our previous Desert Island gems and the individual items recorded by each guest. So many of them are very inspirational and worth checking out. I hope to release a number of series Sheikh Amr Jamil and I recorded over the last few years and were initially broadcast on Radio Ramadan Glasgow, which is now known as RR365. And you can find out more about them on rr365.co.uk. And I'd like to thank them for allowing me to release these episodes on the Muslim Centric Podcast. This four-part series was initially broadcast in Ramadan 2019 and is called Raising the Next Generation of Men. And it looks at the unique challenges of raising young Muslim boys and men in our society. For example, we look at the expectations placed on them by society, differences in how boys and girls are raised, chivalry manhood and toxic masculinity. So this is really relevant if you're a parent, sibling or a young person negotiating these life challenges. Our first episode is really interesting and it looks at the early informative years and we have a great panel of guests including an Islamic scholar, educational psychologist, GP and parent. So I really hope you enjoy the episode and hope you can support the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do leave a rating and support the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And that really helps others to find the podcast if you're enjoying it as well. We're also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also on our website, as I mentioned earlier. All of the details are on muslimcentricpodcast.com and also in the episode notes. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, you're listening to Radio Ramadan and we are talking about raising the next generation of boys and men. So we see differences in the development, milestones, habits, behaviours, physical, mental and emotional health and success rate between boys and girls. Girls develop language skills earlier. Boys have more instances of diagnosis of ADHD. Girls get better exam results, have wider social circles and support networks, and boys are less likely to have the same support networks. They mature at a slower rate than girls and as a result require more supportive care than girls of the same age. And men are less likely to seek mental health services compared with women. Now, this series looks at the unique challenges associated with raising the next generation of Muslim boys and men from the differences in how we raise our sons and daughters in the community, the specific issues facing boys as they grow up, the expectations of how men are supposed to behave and the impact that this can have on mental health and well-being. So in our very first episode, we'll be looking at the early and formative years examining how we raise children in the Muslim community, the differences between how we raise boys and girls, and the values that we need to impart on both as they grow and develop. I'm your host, Abdul Wadud Sharif, and hosting with me is brother Aman Durrani. How are you doing, Aman? Alhamdulillah, I'm good, thank you. And in the studio, we've got a number of esteemed guests for today's show uh, on raising boys and girls. So as 
Uh, with all of our shows this month, we have Sheikh Amr Jamil, who many of you will know, very prominent scholar within the UK community, the director of iSyllabus and one of the founders, and also very involved with Unity Family Services. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh, and thank you once again for joining us. And we have a couple of other guests with us as well, which we're really fortunate. And maybe I'll just start with uh, Sister Samia, uh, Samia Bashir. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and perhaps your interest in this sort of area? Yep. So, as you said, my name is Samia Bashir. Um, I'm an educational psychologist. Um, I'm not here in that capacity today. I think I'm partly here because I'm raising a wee boy myself um, who is five and primary one, so quite early stages. So um, I think I'm here in both those capacities today, although all views are obviously my own. Thank you very much. And we've got uh, Dr. Saira Dar. Saira, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, Salaam alaikum. Um, I'm a local GP. I've been working with the Muslim community for a number of years. I am also the mum of two boys, um, teenagers, both in high school. Um, so I have a little bit of experience of raising boys. So if I could start with perhaps our guests today. Firstly, I guess starting off with this aspect is, is there much of a difference in terms of raising boys and girls? And what are some of those differences? And I guess thinking not just physically, but emotionally and psychologically, and particularly if there's a Muslim context as well. So just to you know get, get the discussion going, what are, you, what are your thoughts, either of you, in terms of um, any differences or... Just to answer that question in terms of the differences I see in raising girls and boys, I think there is a huge difference, especially in the Muslim community and how we raise boys and girls and in the wider society as well there is a difference on how we raise kids um, I think we, we, the two of us were speaking yeah. earlier and I think I, there's a generational change as well mm-hmm. um, growing up with two brothers uh, I had another sister our brothers were I mean my parents were strict generally but the boys were still allowed to go out and play on the street we weren't allowed to go and play on the street Um, and looking at family and friends and the way the girls have been raised and I still see this the girls are almost being conditioned and taught how to be like wives and mothers so they are taught certain skills at home so can can you break that down a little bit so what 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 are the messages overtly or subtly that young girls and young boys are being told as they're growing up within a typical Muslim household? What are some of these different... Are still, what are the expectations? You still, you still see uh, families where boys are allowed to go out, for example, with, with a lot less rules and regulations on that, where, and the, the girls have strict yeah. guidelines I, and maybe restricted on their... their Why do you think that is? So? Um, I think, unfortunately, and I'm just going to get to it, it, that whole idea of if a girl was to go astray, the shame would be a bigger factor than, say, a boy was to do that. I think it's more acceptable for the boys to say they had a girlfriend. It can almost be laughed off and say, oh, don't do that again. Just Or if you're going to do it, make sure nobody finds out. Whereas with, with girls, it's, it's, it's a much more serious thing in our in our families. Could you not turn it around the other way and say, actually, they just, you know, girls need to be protected more and, they, you know, the parents want to be more protective of the girls and the boys will be able to look after themselves, Samia? 
But I suppose two things. I'm just thinking back to one of your quotes at the beginning of this. If you look at, I suppose, crime rates and so on, the the stats don't actually match up with what we perceive. So we perceive that girls need to be protected more. But actually, again, if you look at some of the stats, it's actually that you know men are both perpetrators and more likely to be victims of crime. But actually, sadly, what it goes back to is the status and the what we what we think is important for a female, and that's so that by the time you're married, you are pure and all of those things and for some odd bizarre reason the family honour is entirely based upon this and actually if you take it right back to the beginning what tends to happen right from the get-go is it's subtle differences like you know um, like like I always think like sometimes I've got lots of nieces and nephews um, as well as obviously having a son and um, you know we talk about shamey shamey we talk about like if a girl is you know if you know like a lot of them will sprawl and so on that's not very ladylike cover up we can we don't do the same thing with boys we tell start telling girls they're pretty you're so beautiful look at your lovely dress but he's so strong we that starts right from the get-go and you have those fundamental differences but everything about like what you're talking about is you know if, if uh, you know like sometimes a girl takes dad's shoes off or gets him a coat we celebrate that we say oh look at that look at you know so and so you know we you know we side us man look she's getting her dad her coat and what you're doing is you're reinforcing that idea that you're a carer your job is to look everyone look after everyone else your needs are secondary and what we start doing with boys right from the get-go is all those comments about he's so strong oh my goodness he's, look at him he's so strong and he's so successful and we celebrate different qualities than we do with girls right from the get-go but sadly everything I think we're going to talk about today will all sadly come back to for some reason the family's honour is completely and utterly tied to the you know the marital status of a female. Are these sort of narratives that you touched upon um, are these not wider societal ones in terms of the boy is you know whether it's Muslim or non-Muslim shame or not shame is it not look Girls play with dolls. They should, you know, cook Absolutely. and clean. Yeah. And boys should be strong and yeah. you know, masculine and in those ways. So, uh, yeah. and and is there anything wrong with that, or does that become an issue at all? So two things. We were Sarah and I were actually laughing. We were saying you should have actually come out with a mic outside because we had a really interesting chat. So that's one of the things I was mentioning. The problem is it exists within wider wider society and wider community. So you're absolutely right. But um, I suppose, and I was explaining that I do a lot of equalities work and kind of various things. I think as a society, uh, sorry, as a community, our community is much further back. So I see a big difference when I'm at work versus what, what when I'm at home. So the things that I'm selling celebrated for when I'm at home or within the community are very different to how I'm valued out with the community. So can you give some examples of what you mean by that? So I suppose I'm thinking when I'm at work, um, my opinions matter. Um, I, For example, I, I work within a team where I lead males and females and when, when I lead that team it's irrelevant whether I'm a male or a female or not. I would probably, when I'm in the community, um, taper down my views. Um, I would probably not say some things because I would be I would be worried about offending elders, worried about offending others. So I'm a much quieter, much more subdued, and it's hard to believe, a subdued version of myself when I'm within the community. And a lot of that is because I think, um, I think the challenge that a strong opinionated female brings is sometimes too much. And you're right, it exists within wider community, but I suppose going between the two cultures and the two communities, I feel valued more in one than the other. It's interesting you say that because um, one of the things we were talking about, and you mentioned that girls are more successful in terms of academia yeah. than boys yeah. are. These stats are coming out. And I wonder, is it because outside the home they're being 
congratulated maybe more appropriately or more balanced for that success and therefore that drives them um, to achieve those things more than it would be for the boys who mm-hmm. um, you know maybe they're getting that at home and it, they don't need it as much whereas for the girls mm-hmm. you know that equity they feel outside the Asian community or the Muslim community drives their ambition yeah. more and you do we are seeing that we're seeing Muslim girls become more successful more educated as more professionals and it, we, we, again it was something we mentioned maybe the boys are being left behind mm-hmm. and is that one of the reasons then for all the other social problems we're seeing in our community you know I, I just have the question like I'm just putting out how much of how much of this is Biological, like in terms of, you know, these differences, uh, you know, I, I, like you know, we we treat boys yeah. and girls differently. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much it's can that? How how much is that um, biological? How much is that like can almost I give a an social? Anecdote? Yeah, yeah, so, please. Um, last night, um, my husband uh, and my two teenage boys sat down to watch John Wick. You know, mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves. Yep. <laughs> I One, have two or three. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> number two. I've not actually watched number any two, of them, but I just saw the trailer. For number three. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's, you know, I have no interest in that kind of film. Very violent, very yeah. aggressive, all guns and gore. Um, and that's a very typically male film, and it's aimed at men. And there's a reason why it's aimed at men, because there's a, men do have a natural inclination towards that type of thing. Um, and the, the key is, so yeah, I think there are biological differences. Men and dif- women are different. Those things then, those have those things have to be harnessed in a yeah. way that's for good and to get the best out of the men. So you may be surprised to hear me say this, but I think gender roles are good. And there's the main reason we have gender roles is it comes from the fact that only women can have kids, yeah? Mm. So a woman carries a baby, you, you, you know, that's the role... That's a role only a woman can have. So yep. from that, I, th- I think other gender roles fall into place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for a man to be a bit more aggressive, hunter-gatherer, there's a reason yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a very interesting article that I read about this. Uh, I think it was uh, Leonard Sachs, I think. He's, he was talking about how the most prominent, when you look at, uh, when you look at brain scans of... Uh, fetuses in utero or like uh, yeah you find that the the kind of differences are mm. most prominent then yeah, and they I eventually f- get filtered out um through our social social conditioning or whatever um so it's interesting that you mentioned that because there's a kind of innateness to it but so one of the things that i think that's really interesting about that question is we often get into a big debate about whether there are differences and so on and you're right they absolutely are biologically we're different emotionally but the issue is not that we're different. The, the issue is that wh- when you place a value on one thing, so for example, within the Asian community, being male has more value. So if I was a male, I would be celebrated more and my successes would mm-hmm. be... That, that's where the issues arise. It's when you're placing a value judgment within that. So for example, like if you've got one child who's great at literacy and another one who's great at numeracy, if you're saying, that's fine, we can cope with this, say the female is better at literacy if we're going to totally go down gender stereotype route and males are better at maths, that's okay. But celebrate the differences equally. So it's yeah, okay to be different. Mm-hmm. I think the differences arise when we place a value judgment on that mm-hmm. and by and large, certainly 
certainly in my experience, and I think if you did a straw poll, if you did a research, mm. we know that time and time this comes up. You, the fact that you're covering this programme alone suggests that this is an issue. It comes up again and again, and that's what the issue is. We need to equalise that balance. Once you've done it, it's okay to be different because two a, boys will be different. Is that not a society-wide problem? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I would, and I say this again and again, it's a society problem, and then it's what much it's worse in our community. It's heightened, yeah. yeah. I, I, I yeah. saw a young girl just a couple of days ago who has just finished high school and she's now going to spend the next few months learning how to cook at home, cook yeah. and clean and learn these techniques at home because she's engaged to marry someone from Pakistan and you know someone she's not met. And that's acceptable. That was acceptable for her. So I really had to zip my mouth and just hold my yeah. you know, my opinions mm-hmm. to myself. But it, it it's not it, to me, it's still, it was That's kind of surprising that we're still seeing yeah. this. We're still seeing this. She, you know, as so, soon as she finished high school, that's it. Stay home, learn how to cook, make roti and clean because that's going to be your life from now on. And and if 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 a female wants to do that, that's okay as well. But again, it's about the pressure and the value and all of those things I, attached I, to I it. Would say, and she, but again, she seemed very happy with that yeah. decision. But I think it's not just that she was happy to do that. She has not had the opportunities, and she has not seen what else there is on offer for her and what yeah. she could achieve and what yeah. she's capable of. So I'd like to hopefully that's setting some of the scene for some of the areas that. Uh, hopefully we'll explore further in this show. We've got various clips throughout um, today's show um, from people that have given their opinions um, and some clips from online as well. So uh, we're going to play first couple of clips and then when we come back just to hear particularly um, from the guests and Sheikh Almer your perspective and then I guess we'll explore some of these themes further. But the, these um, couple of clips are in relation to um, what was echoed in terms of how people are raised, comp- how you know females are raised compared with their brothers, etc. I'm a sibling of four. I have two brothers and we are two sisters. And being brought up in the Asian community, uh, community in comparison with the opposite sex um, siblings, uh, I would say was quite challenging. The reason I choose the word challenging is because um, females are always treated different to males um, for example um, I would remember that my brothers got to go out um, and stay out till late whereas I was expected to clean up after them, wash their dishes, I helped my mum with the cooking um, and that was supposedly to prepare me for my coming life which was um, to be a housewife um, I'm married to somebody and expected to obviously clean the house wash the dishes and do the cooking um, so I think it can feel very challenging because um, if you've got a nature where you're argumentative you'll question why you're not allowed to do the things that the male siblings um, are allowed or permitted to do um, I think yeah. there is a a difference in the way that our community treats the sons versus the daughters. I feel like, uh, for example, just to give you an insight, let's take um, divorce or marriage as an example. Um, When two people, uh, unfortunately, their marriage dissolves, it always seems to me that the community always tend to blame the female, the women. Um, out of the partnership um, we all know it takes two uh, and unfortunately some things just do not work and I'm not saying it's always the case but nine times out of ten marriages can dissolve because men uh, you know 
don't want to pick up responsibilities of children or the financials. I mean, I'm a single mother and I've heard this over and over again, where men just don't want to take responsibility or go the full way of commitment. And it seems to me that the community always want to blame the women. Nobody ever blames the man. They never think that, oh, he's cheating or he's going out and he's the one that's not financially providing, yet it's still the woman that's always to blame. So yes, I do think that people in the community treat sons and daughters or daughter-in-laws very differently, um, that there is this wedge between I've them. I've spoke to many people um, who have uh, a son and a daughter, and what I um, hear most of the time is that they worry for their their daughter more than they worry for their son because the son can be more independent and the son can be out and earning and the son can more or less do what he likes to do and they still have this expectation from the daughter to be um, pulled by strings however they wish for them to be uh, for example, I was recently speaking to somebody who said to me that um, my daughter is now graduated and I'm, I'm quickly trying to find um, you know, a suitable um, alliance for her so that she can settle down. And um, my question um, to her was, is your daughter ready for marriage? I mean, have you spoke to her? Have you discussed it? And that wasn't even an option because she was at the correct age, according to the parents, um, which I understand that they're trying to fulfil their responsibility. But that kind of pressure is, n is not put on, on the boys. Um, and I know every household is very, very different. However, um, I do feel that... Um, that it's it's there the definitely there is a stigma stigma attached to the whole thing. So that was some interesting insight from uh, some of the people that we polled. Um, if you know about questions about whether there are differences, um, you know, and Samia and uh, Sarah, you kind of mentioned it just before as well, just before listening to those clips. Uh, you know that there is this cultural difference now. You know how much of that is just going to naturally? Where are we? You know, that, uh, you, because ultimately we're, you know, we're still relatively new in terms of this community. We've, you know, we're talking about three, four generations in. Uh, will will it go away naturally, or do you think that the, we need to really do something about that? It probably, I mean, it's two part. You're right. It's kind of exposure to other ideas. Um, any community when they're exposed to other ideas and so on, it kind of dilutes it. But actually, there's you know people my because the kind of example I always give was was once part of a conversation where there was a, a boy and a girl who were uh, siblings and um, there was just kind of joking chat about the boy having a female friend and every, the kind of the nature of the conversation went a wee bit along the lines of uh, oh you know go on son go on my man you know oh I you know like oh you know he's got a girl oh check you out so it was kind of celebratory and then kind of the same person actually in the next kind of breath said about um, the, the the sister yeah. said and you're not allowed um, you know to I think even go out the house till you're 17 or 18 and actually they're people of our generation they're people that our second generation have been brought up here and I think if you ask them they would argue they would argue that they were very fair and that you know gender inequality didn't exist but it all exists and actually you've got to remember if you're growing up in this environment so you know take my brothers 
take you know all my relatives they're grown up in that there's no I mean even I've been exposed to some of those ideas so although in my head I'm, I'm a bit of a feminist that things will be deeply ingrained in with, within me that are quite hard to undo and actually what you need to do is actively challenge that and actively undo that and also look at the kind of the rules and the regulations and the systems and you know the people that deliver our dharsas and p- people that are talking in our mosques what's the language they're using what's the message that's put out there and kind of referring back to what kind of um, some of the girls in your video clip we're talking about that's what's being put out there what's the predominant message and you've got to actively undo it so Sheikh, um one thing that i'd like to explore so i guess we've kind of we're talking a lot about gender roles and stereotypes and identities and um i guess linking into some of that discussion about nature versus nurture which we've touched upon but i'd like to drill down a little bit in terms of some of the the theological or philosophical approach to some of this gender role. So I guess one of the very most often cited verses in relation to this is where, you know, in the English translation says, you know, men are the protectors and maintainers of women and because Allah has given one more and some people translate that as strength or one, you know, something superior than the other and because they support them from their means. So some people, as with any verses, you can take uh, an interpreter and distill it down in, in many different ways. So I'm just interested to understand from, I guess, from an Islamic perspective now, these gender roles and identities, because I guess these things that are happening that, you know, people have been describing in terms of boys and uh, uh, brothers and sisters being raised differently within a household, you know, you could take it in multiple ways. One is that it's a punitive thing for the girl, it's more protected. Some people might say actually that, you know, so you hear things like daddy's girls in it that they're actually more protective because they really want to you know they know that women might be vulnerable and they might you know I need to do more I know how bad society is or I know what men are like and therefore you know almost I become overcompensate with guys so that might explain some of the differences so I guess from an Islamic perspective and you know even the, the, from some of these verses how do we actually because I've, I've got all these different interpretations you know translations so some of them are men are the managers of the affairs of women um, then we've got protectors of women, maintainers. Uh, one translation is men are in charge of women by what Allah has given one over the other. So straight away you can see for a Muslim male or a father or a husband, he's going to start thinking, actually, I'm in charge here. Mm-hmm. Or I, you know, am I a maintainer? Am I a protector? Am I actually the boss and everything goes through me? So really interested to hear your perspective on some of these issues which yes, I know so you've dealt with. Is, is, uh, so uh, this word قوامون uh, from I mean it basically means uh, linguistically قوام would be something which is upright like for example we say iqama uh, uh, what is the iqama iqama is that the, the prayer is now standing so you're basically making something upright so the, you're right it has been translated in different ways uh, big long discussion in fact I was down in a conference uh, on uh, domestic um, abuse for two days in London on this topic in March and um, there's a paper they were kind of we were discussing the, the verse 434 which I've kind of done a bit of work on before and, and um, then this idea of Qiwama uh, came up what does it mean and it's a massive long discussion there's so many different opinions among scholars of what it meant and and um, how is it understood um, and obviously there's a cultural context to it as well but we found that the kind of later scholars were more going towards the financial responsibility, mm-hmm. whereas the what you're talking about kind of authority was kind of the earlier kind of scholars. So I think part of it was the cultural context of 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 how societies were organised. 
Um, but in, uh, I mean, from our perspective, it's because the financial um, um, responsibility for the home is on the the, the shoulders of the the husband. Um, he has to financially maintain his his wife, um, look after the the children. So um, it basically comes uh, in its basic level from from that perspective. But but the thing is, when we look at any verse of the Quran, take it this one or any other verse of the Quran, we always we don't just look at it in isolation. We always understand it in light of the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the the the, the Prophet sallallahu one of his roles was to explain the Quran. So للناس, to make clear for people. So one of the roles of the Sunnah is that it explains it's like you could say it's like the tafsir of the Quran. So what we do is we don't just look at a verse and take it literally, which is um what some people do and then make a mess of it. We look at it how how did the Prophet understand that verse? How did the Sahaba understand that verse? How was how were they applying this? So when you go down to that and you look at the Prophet's interaction with his own wives, I think it becomes very clear um, that it's not supposed to be something which is like a, like an abusive control or anything like that. It's about responsibility. It's about okay, um, you know, how, like we were talking about before, the, the kind of division of labour. Okay, this person's responsible. It's like a team, isn't it? If, if you think of football. Because I'm a man and we're talking about men, right? Let's <laughs> talk about football. You know, football. You know, uh, everyone knows football. You you know, you have different roles. You have a goalkeeper. You have a striker. You have a midfield. You have a defence. They all have different roles that they're playing. But it might be that the glory is given to the striker because he 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 scores and jumps up and down and everyone jumps on him. But the thing is, the goalkeeper might be the one who's won the game for them because he's the one that saved like three goals from going in. So without him, they would have lost. So it's this idea of it's how we understand our roles. Um, uh, because there's, there's one hadith that's coming to my, to my mind, which is that um, you could loosely translate it as that, uh, that, um, that um, women are like the partners of men. So it's almost as if together, um, you know, the, we, are, we run society together. And if you look at the Prophet sallallahu look at his relationship with Khadija anha, her role was pivotal in the whole message. <coughs> And what how she played it, and then the role of Sayyidina to Aisha, for example, um, and how after his death she plays a massive role in educating a whole generation of men and women. So I think um, we have to always go back to like, okay, how was the prophets? How was the interaction of the Prophet with his wives? How how was he teaching? Because uh, one of his primary roles is to teach. And he actually, in the hadith, in muallima, I was I was sent as a teacher. So everything about the Prophet and what we know about him, he's teaching the Sahaba, this is how you behave, this is how you uh, organize life. Um, so I think any discussion of that verse has to be um, in light of the, the, the Sunnah of the Prophet Just going back to a couple of things that the um, sisters picked up on, um, this the idea of like protection of, of, of girls. One thing I, was, I, I jotted down when they were saying that was that, I don't know if you ever noticed, but um, every time there's a discussion of like setting up an Islamic school, there always seems to be um, as a first focus is like a girls school. So there will always be like a, a focus on setting up girls schools. And I, I'm not sure I've not done the maths, but um, I don't know if there's more girls schools than there are mm. like um, uh, boys school. But but I know there was a discussion w w the, the, before 
um, some of the schools are set up here. There was a discussion about setting up a, a girls' school um, here. So this is, there is that idea of protecting them from society's <coughs> ills. But as Sister Sammy was saying, if you look at the stats, I mean, and, and she was just talking about crime generally, but I would expand that and say, well, if you look at the Muslim community, our, our population of the prisons is exp exponentially high. I mean, in England, it's as, far, it's as much as 15% of the total population uh, in prisons is Muslim, and that's predominantly men. In, in Scotland, it's a bit better, it's 2.5, but it's still a lot more than the actual population size. So clearly, um, you know, we, we need to do a lot more work with um, young men, and clearly they do need a lot more guidance, and maybe the cultural idea was, was probably that men will look after themselves, they'll be fine, mm -hmm. but we need to kind of concentrate on women, but that obviously formula uh, is not working. But even, even like, um, some of the things you're talking about cooking, like uh, girls being taught how to cook, even that is, you know, I don't know. It's, I mean, I've got, I know plenty of um, females that I know that can't cook. So I think all the best chefs are males, aren't they? Well, controversial. I will pull more stats out of this job opportunities. I'll, 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 I'll stir the pot before we go for a break. Just yeah. now. I think, I think so we'll pick, thing, yeah. things that things yeah. are changing. You know, it's not as it's not the same. And I think that's what you were talking about as you mix with societies and, and we can, we're kind of changing and evolving um, but it's true when I was listening to a bit that, that quote uh, sort of the, the clip about women being unfairly blamed for divorces, I'm somebody who, de who deals with divorce and I can see um, sometimes it is it's the female's fault, sometimes it's very clearly the male's fault but to, to kind of um, unilaterally say it's always uh, women is completely unfair, unethical and unjust so I think there are probably cultural um, issues going on here, and I think it's, it's. I mean, obviously we're we're a new generation of of parents. Uh, it's about how we how we're going to. Raise, I mean, I'm quite lucky because I've got twins, so one's a male, one's a female, mm -hmm. so they're the same age. Um, but for me, um, I in my mind, I have every I have the same aspirations for both of them. So I'm not going to be, well, you're a girl, you're not going to do that. No, I, I'm going to make them. Because to me, the way I look at it is it's, it's increasing their skill set. Mm -hmm. So I want them to do everything. I want them to learn every single skill under the sun. So, I mean, my daughter goes to, to karate and um, she, and my son went and didn't like it. So I didn't force him. I said, well, fine, you don't want to do it, we'll, we'll do something else. But the the uh, and, and the and the actual teacher she's got is a Muslim uh, female who, and interestingly, it was her father who pushed all his kids into karate. So they're all black belts. They're all like first dan, second dan. And um, and I thought, well, you know, in the future, you don't know what, what where life takes you. Maybe I won't be around, but if I know my daughter's a first dan, at least I know she can take care of herself. Do you <laughs> think her teacher being a Muslim female had a role in her being more interested in karate possibly? Uh, um, my daughter, I think, would have done it irrespective. Regardless. Uh, mm -hmm. she, I think she just likes one of those kind of people that likes to try everything. But I think that, I mean, that I mean we were talking about role models uh, and other shows. I think that's a really good role model for her, that to see, look, there's a, 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 there's a Muslim yeah. female who is your teacher. That's, mm -hmm. you know, so that's role models, isn't it? Um, so one of the things which I'd like to pick up on is there's a, a great YouTube clip which if you, any of you have time to tune into, if you type in Star Wars Abdul Hakim Murad, so Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad is a, obviously a very eminent scholar based in Cambridge and he does this really 
brilliant uh, sort of lesson about Star Wars, um, and that was the sort of the new reincarnation of Star Wars, really. And he talks about the the primary figure now being Rey, who's the female sort of lead figure now, the protagonist, and it talks about how now it, when the George Lucas uh, early Star Wars. They talked. Um, the main feature was obviously Luke Skywalker as a central character. A lot of issues that came out of that. The narratives about being a strong fighter, you know, saving civilization. His relationship with his father, and the issue with the most recent one is that where it's kind of changed in line with where society has moved on to now a strong female figure. She's the central character that grows up in a desert, has ambitions that she doesn't just want to stay in the desert, but then wants to, um, you know, save. Uh, she ends up, you know, being part of saving the universe and having these special forces. Um, there's various other characters which are really interesting. So. Um, there's a character uh, Finn, who's a, for, like a star trooper, a stormtrooper, and he's a very anxious, uh, worried, insecure guy now. And she's kind of reassuring him. And so the the you know the the male and gender roles has changed. And then Luke Skywalker, he's kind of retreated now. He's this old sort of deadbeat guy who's kind of in the background, hiding in some hill, you know, who's, um, you know, provides a bit of wisdom, but he's not courageous enough to now tackle the universe. So how, you know, I guess they're talking about these are different directors and different scriptwriters from George Lucas and his influences. Um, and this whole separate discussion, if you... There's, there's many people that talk about, you know, Star Wars is based on very much a, a, a Sufi or a Sheikh sort of Islamic model and, and narrative, which you can read into that separately. Um, but I think this is really interesting in terms of the role and how, uh, you know, the generations have changed and the expectations and this gender identity. And so now we've got Ray, who's this female, and very much in a lot of narratives, it's the female strong figure. Um, Recently, there was all the Avengers movies as well, so you have strong characters in there. Even like when you look at Black Panther, you know a lot of, you know, it's not just a guy, but it's in long, strong female characters as well, um, and a lot of lessons. So I guess we were touching upon in terms of the Islamic idea of roles and you know identity and where men and female come in. And I think the reason that's important is as these are the influences as adults that we can then give to our youngsters. Mm. So, Sami, I know there's a, uh, there's a long intro, but I guess it's kind of moving on to a topic I know that you wanted to raise in terms of this idea of gender identity and stereotyping. Uh, I suppose part of what I'm doing is just, I suppose, asking a few questions. I'm hoping it'll just open up the discussion. But I, th I just thought, if so, okay, if I could just tell a small story, uh, which, again, me and Sarah were talking about just outside. Um, a few years ago, I remember one of my friends was getting married, and um, th this we went along, and there was this woman had come along to do this talk about, you know, the kind of the usual bit that goes with, these are all the things you should do. And it was really funny because um, all her advice was around... Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, actually, a professional, uh, now a retired professional... And much loved in the community but kind of her, her main points that stuck out in my head were make sure you're beautiful when your husband comes home mm -hmm. um, make sure that the house is clean when he comes home mm -hmm. and make sure there's a nice dinner on the table mm -hmm. if you get into an argument let him cool down mm -hmm. and um, you know like you know once he comes around then talk him round and it was really kind of old fashioned tips and actually I was just inside it really stuck out in my head and I know that not everybody will be doing that but that's the kind of narrative that goes around so, so just to interrupt yeah. You can beat me up for this, but yeah. explain to me what the issue is with with that. Because I'm why is the, why did that become an issue? Because I'm so much more than my looks. Can, can, so, I, can yeah. I give you my perspective? We know looks my are important, perception. and I'll right, tell you my issue with that is um, some of the tips are great, but do the men get that yeah. same talk? 
And this is the problem. The girls are being taught how to be yeah. wives, but the men aren't taught how to be husbands. And it goes yeah. back to what we, t- we mentioned about responsibility. So the girls are, you know, you're the carer, you're yeah. going to be a mom, you're going to be a wife, you're going to be giving care. But, 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 so are the men being taught that? But the issue is, you know, is that necessarily a bad thing if that per- woman wants to do that? Also, but that's what it's about taking away choice. So you're right. If you want to do it, great, go down that route, and you know, you know, you'll be rewarded. And there's a reward that comes with that. The problem is if you want to break away from that, and the majority of women, in my experience, probably want to break away from that. And so a bit kind of coming back to see when you kind of go back to looks. Uh, sorry, I cut you off there. But see, to me, like if you, if you know, we, we were actually talking about how to introduce ourselves, and we had a wee laugh about, well, you know, you can be more than one person. I'm not what I look like, so most of your presenters can't see me at the moment. Uh, sorry, listeners can't see me. I'm much more than my looks. I, I'm a mum. I'm a professional. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a friend. I'm a do- I'm all of these things. But going down that route. So what happens if, say, by chance, I happen to be ugly? What if, no matter how much makeup I put on, I'm still ugly? You're down quite a da- dangerous narrative. That's a really dangerous narrative when you start to value people and how they look. What if I'm really attractive uh, and, I, and I put makeup on when my husband comes? home but then I'm in an unfortunate accident then your value has automatically decreased but actually is it not about what I bring to the family, how I bring people along, how am I raising my son am I raising him to be strong and kind and honest and all of these things I'm so much more, you know I'm out in the community I like to give back why can't females be those things and can't they be all of these things so can can. they not all, you know if it's just one component um is that not good advice? There's like, uh, you know, for that a male, it might be, you know, you yeah. be strong, you're going to have to get yes. a job for your family, you have to yeah. be responsible, but also, you know, you, you need to be, you know, a good father and socially, you know. See if that advice is given to both and both genders were doing them equally, we would be living in a beautiful, beautiful world. But we're so far from that. It's, it's the bit that you just said there about. It, was it as. Female telling you yeah, this or male? So, that's so what? What? So how? I can I can understand if a man's telling yeah. that, which is another issue. But if it's a female telling another female, is that's that the issue. Yeah. So and that's that's the kind of point. So I guess I, like, I, I'm I'm not I'm not causing problems, but I, and I'm not saying I necessarily agree. But I guess there's that fine line between somebody saying yeah it's all about your looks which we know is a wider society yeah. for young girls anyway in terms of you yeah, know, eating uh, disorders yeah, problem, anorexia absolutely. social yeah. media and absolutely I think we recognise that that's you know not the d- role we want to go down but if you know as an elder female or male you're saying actually my advice to you is you know these are all the components you know be caring be a more you know you're going to be a mum potentially if you want and you know these are the qualities which are also there as long as it's not oppressing that female then is that a problem I, I think the issue is not that those qualities are not good they are very good but they need to be balanced I remember going into you know, one of Sheikh Hammer's lessons about the firegazing time that a man should have and it was kind of we talked about it in a jokey way but it was something that I took on board so when my husband comes home he gets that smile and he gets time to chill so is it just but, elaborate what's that Sheikh what's your uh, I missed that <laughs> memorable <laughs> session what? this is um, firegazing you said yeah so, so I've, got a, I've got a marriage course and um and uh, I mean, in, in that marriage course, because I, because I try and uh, make it accessible to everyone, and we were see the thing is, we're um, we, there's lots of factors that make our identity up. So we're not only just Muslims, but we are obviously in Scotland, 
Um, many of us are from an Asian background, so there's, m there's multiple layers of our identity. So um, in the course, um, obviously, the, the Islam is there. Um, my case studies, so the, 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 the cases I've dealt with over the years, the things that I see have gone wrong and things which shouldn't be happening, I bring that out. Like, but also I take on board what other kind of relationship, um, can, can, you know, kind of um, counsellors or experts in the field, what they say about um, um, just uh, relationships between men and women. Interestingly, just on this look thing, looks thing, um, there was there was they've done research and the, and um, looks are more important for males than for females. So um, they, do, they are, and this is non-Muslim saying it. And this is the thing: if if if, if I say it, they may say, "Oh, well, you're 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 trying to do it because misogynist." Yeah, yeah, you're misogynist. Yeah. But then what what I do is when I just say, "Well, Sarah, whatever says." You know, who's a feminist who says in this book, then people don't argue with it as much because they're like, well, it's not biased. So, unfortunately, that you have to do that sometimes. But um, so I, I think that the 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 thing about men and looks and looks being important for men that that's been that's been researched and and looked mm -hmm. into. Um, but the the point was about the fargazing. So the fargazing thing was the, the, what they say is that in the past when the man went out to hunt. So the idea is the man would go out to hunt. He'd to rajas or something like that. Yeah. Bring home exactly. the chicken. Like now, now <laughs> it's the thing. Like we, you know, um, we don't even slaughter animals anymore. So we, we've lost all those skills. Anyway, so he'd come home after hunting. He'd put the the kill down, and the the, the women would probably start preparing it to get cooked. And then he would just sit there and look into the fire. And it's called fire gazing time. And basically, what they were saying was that men de-stressed by taking their mind off mm. um, what they were doing so so they basically apl apply the analogy that this is why men don't want to talk about what they're doing at work mm. they, they, they want to forget about it, they just like oh my god right, so they want to come home and they just want to do something else, so what they'll do is they'll, they'll watch TV or they'll read a paper and they, they don't really, they're not very communicative whereas women because um, they bond through, through, through talking, through communication um, they want to say how was your day, so that this is this is their way of saying how's your day. I'm taking an active interest in you know what's been happening, whereas he doesn't want to talk about it. So it was all about explaining how men uh, men operate, how women operate, so that you improve your understanding, so that you can basically accommodate each other's needs. So the idea is that um, you you, you kind of come uh, when the man comes home for about thirty minutes, they'd say um, it's best not to discuss anything important because he's not in the right frame of mind. Once he's kind of got that, he's kind of out of that zone, then you can kind of talk to him. And I remember, I mean, I mean, Cyrus saying she took it on board, but I remember there was a, uh, someone actually contacted me. Um, it was a case, and um, she actually mentioned this fire-gazing thing. She goes, I used to get so upset. She goes, when I used to um, come home, I'd make the dinner, and when my husband came home, I'd have the dinner ready. But it'd take half an hour mm. having a shower and faffing about in her mind right before he'd come down but that time the dinner was cold I would be upset blah blah she goes then I, then she goes when she did the course she goes I actually understood why he does that so she goes now I just wait half an hour and, to, uh, and then attempt to, to come down and she goes that he's a lot is a lot more receptive and stuff so I think that's what she's going yeah. so so I think one of the point. Hold on. I was just thinking we don't have open fires anymore, so, so I think we'd stare at radiators. <laughs> but sorry, Samia, so, we'll come back to you because uh, we interrupted Sarah. So, so now we understand the context of fire. What's it? Fire, fire gazing. So my follow-up oh, to that sorry, is sorry. my husband. So you went home. So, yeah, so I give when he comes home from work, he gets that. The other side is I. He works from home a lot, and I'm out working. When I come home, I get that smile. 
How is your day, babes? Come sit down, draw a cup of tea. I get that. So it's about that balance and just what you said about that chance to download, oh, work was rubbish. I get that. So men and women need to understand the differences they have. So when when we get that talk at those duas, oh, to be a good wife, beautify yourself, smile, those are all good. That's all good advice. But it has to be in a context and it has to be balanced. And I think the other things not happening, the men are not being taught their side. So interest though. So do you want that half an hour to yourself or do you want that oh, yes. emotional connection? Do you know, actually, I think Aman, you know me too well. I, no, I'm just I'm curious. Have the okay. Okay. So Samia, so yeah, you were going to add some thoughts on so, that. Yeah. And I actually see everything you said is totally evidence-based and I agree. But and I suppose the, the, the tension for me there is, once again, what we're teaching is women to put the needs of the man first. So... I come in from work, I've had a stressful day, but I get the dinner on, I've got to get the homework done, I've got to get the boy in the bath. I, honestly, there isn't. It's like, like there are times when I sometimes, I shouldn't say this on air so my mum and dad find out, I sometimes if I finish your work a wee bit earlier, I'll go home and I just sit and I do nothing because we don't get that time. So I totally agree with part of your point in that, yes, that, that's actually a really useful thing to know that we have different communication styles. But what about, the, like, so for example, what the woman would probably love is if you, if you got in and the dinner was on or this was, and the next thing was done. So it's always, I suppose, whenever we go to talks and all of these things, I agree that we, we look at the differences because you're right, men do communicate differently but it's about, well the woman has to pipe down, so she might, she's got a need to connect, say, theoretically, but she's got to stay quiet till he comes out of this so what about the other bit back? What if, like, for example, like half the time you suggest that, you know, you ask the woman how it's going and that's what, I th and I know to be fair that point was sprung on you and you didn't really make that point isolated and I would imagine you would give it, you know, with other advice that's the kind of thing I think we hear quite a lot in terms of a narrative. So, so this is what I'm interested in developing, actually. This idea of who, where do these narratives come from and who, you know, because often when we talk about the community, the culture, we're often talking about something that probably doesn't exist as a homogenous, yeah. you know, what, what do we actually mean by the who are, I mean, was when we're talking about who are giving all these narratives because the, the reason that's important is then how does that change you know in terms of what narrative should we be giving and who I mean the community is us isn't it it's me you all us around yeah. the table so when you talk about people are giving us these narratives of this is what the man should do the women should do who are we talking about what, what is and this el you know is this this magical elder generation that is yeah. giving us these tropes or is it, where, where's it coming so, from see if we just take I suppose I'm just reflecting back on some of the conversation we just had earlier on and actually some of the quotes we were talking about was and I know it's open to interpretation but <laughs> women are the protector of men sorry men. <laughs> that's obviously oh, what I'm thinking Freudian slip Freudian slip that's a reality and what we were talking about there was like women need to be protected so these are all things all of us are having this conversation and one of the questions I was going to ask there and, and I know we're talking about raising boys is if we flip that narrative on its head right what if we teach our women that they can protect themselves what if we can teach our men they can protect themselves what if we teach women that they have responsibilities towards other people and what if we teach our men Absolutely. they have responsibilities towards e other people and what if because what then happens is if you say to folk women have to protect their chastity or whatever it is that the narrative that that opens up or the, the idea that you suggest to some men, not all, and, and we're talking about a minority here, is that 
you know, if women can't protect themselves, it's fair game. And that, again, is a narrative that exists in society, but it's stronger within ours. So what if we completely flip that narrative? What if we start talking to women about how they can develop themselves, how they can be so much more, that when they have a husband, they should be looking for a partner where, where they both kind of challenge each other intellectually, they develop each other as characters and all of these things, and we're not having that discussion. We just keep talking about responsibilities and but, but I guess I guess we are moving forward the fact yes, that me are, and you are here today yes. talking about this mm-hmm. is is evidence that that is that's happening no, but I, I mean I think that's really an interesting point because one of the things I was going to raise is within the Muslim community if you look at Glasgow you know there's so many talks and sessions and stuff on, for women, women's only. Some inspirational speaker will come, you know, how to be the best. You know, so there seems to be a lot going on for the women, you know, and, and the females in terms of um, empowering women now. And and I think one of the key things is the role of women has changed now, you know, that they are working, they might be the primary breadwinner, etc. But one of the things which resonates to maybe the whole theme of this discussion and topic is we don't seem to have been having, you know, where are these boys-only sessions? I mean, those, to say, actually, this is how you become a man. This is good mm. to be, you know, yeah. what qualities you need. So, you know, I know that perhaps is it because the sisters are playing catch-up, so there's a lot of female-only events that we're trying to get. And well, I, but seeing that, seeing that, there's but very where's mu- the boys-only? There only? very much is this movement of girls' empowerment, and I, I know maybe there's not... In, actually, I would say there's maybe not enough of it in our in our society in our cultural community in the right way but generally speaking that whole thing of girl power actually in maybe even a negative way and the boys are being left behind and that's one of the issues you know the whole idea of being demasculated and they're not understanding their role in society anymore and because girls are all all powerful the idea is men need to be more like women and be in touch with their feminine side you know you can hear that a lot oh he's in touch with his feminine side that's a good thing One of the things, and I'm not just saying this because you hear shake, but often, I suppose, when I've been listening to your talks and so on, one of the things that I like what you do is that you do actually place a lot of the focus back on on the boys and the young, you know, and men, and just you know, it comes through in themes and discussions on various shows that you're on, and and I think that's really important, and I, I think that's a really key point, in a sense, I suppose. I know a lot of strong females who know what they want and where they want to be, but I agree. I think that there's a lot of catch up. And actually, again, I was saying to Sarah, often when I when I'm I'm doing a lot of things with with my son and you know extended family members will say, oh, like you know you're already making him do this and you're already no you know you know let him be it. And I actually say no because actually my hope is that by the time you know he grows up and gets married, there'll be a there's a whole there's a whole movement going on. And you know you were talking about your daughter. I've heard you talk about how you know you're raising your daughter. There's going to be this generation of women who are not going to take the same bleep that I think a lot of maybe our generation of women have and our boys have to be prepared for that you know they they might not get the cooked meal and all of those things and somebody willing to you know accommodate you know them much more than they accommodate their own needs and actually we've got to move really really fast and I always say and I always say in my family we need to start with the boys now and, and it's not about just raising them so that they're serving females it's about having all the same like both same males and females sets, yeah. have the same skill set yeah. they're kind they're honest they take other people's accounts into consideration they look at work workload they're team players that's what's important not about having you know a, just a group of females that are really really strong but say, saying that we are um you know you ask where's that narrative coming from um, that narrative is very much a cultural narrative and I know uh, I've done certain things that my mum doesn't agree with for example my boys are being taught 
about food, how to cook, basic things. Um, just like my daughter will be when her time when she's age appropriate. Uh, <coughs> that to my mum is quite shocking. Mm. You know, what's the need for that? But there is a need for that. Our boys and girls need the same skill set. And I actually asked my husband this last night. I said, do you think, because he teaches the boys DIY stuff, you know, whatever it's plastering, whatever. And I asked him, will you teach your daughter that when she's age appropriate? And he said, of course. And I was surprised he did. But he said, of course, because I want him to be self, her to be self-sufficient. I don't totally believe it, but let's see. But that was, you know, that's his idea. It's about self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. that they both get the same skills. And I asked my teenager yesterday, I said, do you think there's a difference between men and women and their roles in society and how they're brought up? And he said, yes, because girls are more emotional and boys just get on with it. And I think that that narrative is very much present, not just in our Muslim community, but the wider society. Girls are more emotional and boys just get on with it. Um, But I said to him, but you feel emotion just like girls do. Why are girls more emotional? But I think the difference is that girls talk about the emotions and boys don't. And as long as, and they don't have, going back to that thing about that safe space, maybe we need to have more boys only kind of thing. They, they need that space to be able to talk in a healthy way about how they're feeling. And yeah, you're right, there's not enough of that. Yeah, um, just, I mean, in terms of you're talking about that talk that you're given by the elderly uh, lady, I mean, okay, let, let, just you as a person, how much of, did you like hear that talk and say, ah, the pennies dropped. That's how. That's how I need to behave. Or did you just kind of listen to it and thought, right? Okay, I know where. Know where you're coming from. I'll take what I take from that, which I think is is correct, yeah. and I'll leave what I don't think yeah. I don't agree with. You know what I mean? So you, I, I think to say that, well, just giving the mem a pep, a pep talk is is going to solve everything. That doesn't solve anything. I think it's a whole societal shift. It's about. Um, you, uh, really, a lot of it comes down to parenting. How, how, how you and like you obviously you're now having that discussion with your son, right? So it's about the next generation of parents, how they pay, how they parent their boys and girls, what kind of um, values they're going to impart on them. They're the ones I think are going to have the biggest um, kind of um, uh, influence of how this whole uh, this whole thing goes. I mean, if you're if you if you're if you're brought up, and I I mean I'm talking myself. I mean. Although I've always I've always kind of cooked little bits and bobs, but it's been when my mum's not in the kitchen because if she ever saw me making a mess, oh, you made a mess, get out of here. But if it was if it was the girls, it was fine. So I was never given that opportunity. That, so that's not that's not come from society. That's just my mum. They've been letting me cook. Um, but when I when I left and I had to go and travel, I cooked everything. I was making biryani. I was making salad. And I was making you know what I mean. And and like um, people shocked. Like you know, I said yeah, I can I can cook all those things. So to me, I didn't say, well, okay, that's not my role. No, because it's, it's a skill. And so I see that, I see cooking as a skill. Mm-hmm. I can cook if I have to. I don't have any problem with it. Once uh, um, my wife, I don't know if she'll, she's a bit more private than me, but, um, you know, it was one day, I can't remember, um, she's, she was kind of, I could see she was tired. I said, why do you go upstairs have a nap, right? And um, it was it was dinner time, so I thought I'll just make the roti, right? I hadn't I hadn't cooked for a long time, so I made and I made this amazing roti, and I had to take a picture. Was it round? It was round, square. <laughs> it was round. I made my I made my daughter this roti, and I took <laughs> a picture of it. And you know, just my, my kind of uh, WhatsApp. Sing the bar high for the rest of us men now. She <laughs> no, my, fam, my family group, and I said, look, I made that. Like, you made that. You made, I said, yeah. I said, I said, I made that for my daughter. And that thing is, my wife didn't ask me to do it, right? 
I just did it because that's my, my daughter, she's hungry. Yeah. Why not? I'll cook it. And the thing is, so she's now, she's witnessed, she's only six, she's saw her dad do that. Yeah. yeah. So, and what I'm saying is that it's it's going to be through action. You can we can you can get you can give pamphlets out. You can do all sorts of things. But yeah. when that's enacted, uh, and actually one of the one of the really amazing things I heard um, from a scholar uh, recently was um, about he said it's so important for the children to witness love between the the, the mother and the father because when they witness that, that has a massive impact. On, on them, you know. So it's all it's all about these children, this next generation that we're raising. What are they witnessing? If they're witnessing, like, okay, dad does nothing, mum does everything, or um, you know, dad just sits up. And 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 I agree with you. I mean, I deal with because I deal with problems all the time. There are many men who are, I wouldn't say they're men because they're not really fulfilling any. I can't see any duty that they're actually fulfilling. Um, so yes, there's absolute failures in men, but um, I'm, I'm assuming there'll be failures in women as well. So it's, yeah. it's equal, you know. So I think what we have to do is it's always about okay, how do we go forward as a community? Uh, are these things correct? Are they not correct? And I'll say, well, let's go. If we go back to the prophetic example, how was the Prophet Sallam? How how did these wives describe him? They described him as. You know, somebody who was e easygoing, very helpful in the house. He was always loving. He was always um, cheery. He was all. And, and remember, think of all the the, the anxiety the Prophet must have had, the the, the you know, concerns of the Ummah. But with his wives, he was very gentle with them. That famous story of um, of Umar when Umar comes and um, he hears a lot of laughter and he comes in. They run around. They run and hide behind the curtain. And he gets upset because he says, you know, you fear me more than you fear the Prophet of Allah. And the Prophet starts, uh, the Prophet standing there, and the voice, the, the the voice comes from behind the curtain that um, you're harsh, but the Prophet's soft. And the Prophet starts laughing. <laughs> he says, Omar, you're so strong that if Shaitan saw you, he'd cross the road. You know, so that 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 all gives us an insight into what was going on in the prophetic mm. household. So. I think that okay, fair enough. We can have all these discussions why we have these issues, but I think it should be about okay, how do we now change this? How do we the the current situation where you have men who are not who are well below the bar? How do we raise them to that bar? How is that going to happen? Um, there is obviously a certain amount of it which is out of our control in the sense that there's a lot of external factors from media and all sorts of other things which we're part of that. But we can also. And uh, definitely within our own circles, um, be pushing. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, the next show we're going to be talking about um, chivalry and what it means to be a man, what the qualities of, of manhood is, and maybe we can talk about it more yeah. then. But this is, but this is basically where it needs to go now. So I'd like to move on to this last section of the show. I guess is I want you to all imagine. So we talked about some of the difficulties in terms of some of these gender roles and how that maybe is not as applicable now, where maybe you know women are working now, women are. Um, the role compared to 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago is, is very different. I'd like you to all sort of have that sort of go to bed tonight and while you're asleep, you know, there's a magic wand. It's mag I don't know if magic's allowed, Sheikh, but anyway, assuming <laughs> magic's allowed in one school of thought. Um, you have a magic wand and when you wake up, life is a lot better and exactly how you want it to be. And when we then you know you wake up, you go d you know you go downstairs, you go to work, you go to school, you go to university, 
and you look at how society is different in an ideal world, quotation marks. So I'm trying to get to that. What are the roles of men and boys and what are the roles of females in this perfect world? Because that is then the aspiration of where we want it to be. And then I guess I'd be interested to hear how we get there. So I just open up to anyone really in mm -hmm. terms of how, you know, what what is this aspiration that we're trying to get to? What is a, a good, healthy male role um, in society and also female? Abdul, were you going to add some thoughts I mean, on I this? guess I think it's primarily like how, I mean, the, the kind of common theme that's coming out is how we feel. Like really it's like a, it's a thing about if you feel you're being like I mean talking about the girls here right but like you feel like you're being suffocated or you're being restricted in any manner so let's talk about the boys anything. first but the, from the boys perspective I think in terms of what kind of virtues that we'd be yeah, looking to instill what are the qualities they should qualities, have what is the you know uh, values I guess, I mean, and my perspective is that the, the values would be no different to what kind of values that we instill in girls as well I mean there's not one like you know when you when you kind of zoom out of the values you'll see that they're all they all belong to the same set you know honesty you know looking out for other people uh, like you know being people that give sadaka in all terms all senses of the of the term you know like looking out for other people um being kind caring all those things are still you know so in your in your ideal world Abdul there would be no difference in terms of the values, the roles, the um, I mean the ro positions the that men and women and boys would play. Is it a very neutral society? Is that is that I mean, raise no, other like, issues? I mean, I mean, I don't know. In terms of practice, it might come out in different kind of. The, there might be different roles. You know, you you might find that, but I don't think you necessarily have to go and say that the values breed the kind of this idea of. A separation in the in the roles is just that you're picking up where the other person's you know, like you know we we pick up for other people's slack ultimately, as well and you know Sheikh Amr going and doing the little the roti is is a is an act that shows that you know when somebody's a bit tired or you know your wife's tired that you can you can come up and rise up to it so it's not you know and then when you zoom out it's it's more about teamwork and all these kind of you know qualities that ultimately are you're trying to you're trying to, you know, a big thing I'm a fan of is love and service, right? You know, and if we, if you focus on those two aspects, you'll, you'll create community-wide change, whether you're a girl or you're, whether you're a boy, and you've got to instill those. So, you know, if you, you know, with your children, with boys, mm -hmm. you're not going to inculcate the sense of, look, you need to be the primary breadwinner, you're going to, you know, in 20 years, in 15 years time when you're an adult, you're going to be the provider here, and you're the rock of, of mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. um, household with respecting you know as a teamwork with the wife being you know there to support as a mutual thing not in an oppressive way yeah um i mean if and it's not, the if role it's not, and say uh, okay chill you know if she's the primary breadwinner you you know if it's you, not you look after the kids at home you know there's yeah. no pressure on yeah. you when you're 12 13 14 to have that aspiration no if if it's not oppressive right you know having the same opportunities is definitely important as well and i think sheikh hammer talks about this is that you know, when you go to the the letter of the law, that's one thing, right? But the spirit of the law can can manifest in the like the inverse, right? It could be that the wife's the the primary breadwinner and the 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 you know the husband is doing the the taking care of the children, the child rearing, and you know I think I've seen instances where that's actually been a successful model for a family, from what I can see as well. Um, but again, that's a very individual thing, yeah. right? So let yeah. me open that up to the other guests. What are your thoughts for the you know what? 
where's this boy in this ideal world? I agree with what Vodou is saying in terms of the skills and the etiquettes and these things that really have to be uh, equally instilled in our children. And one word that's not come up yet, which we should maybe talk about, is emotional intelligence, that they should equally be nurtured. And mm. maybe one of the issues are that boys that part of them, the emotional intelligence, is not being nurtured as much as it is with girls, right? But we can come back to that. But it comes back, going back to the roles, though, it comes back to the fact that only women can be mothers. And mm. that, is, that is a game changer in the sense that then you naturally fall into some gender roles. So if a woman decides to be a mother, has kids, and is a main nurturer and carer for that child, then therefore everything else revolves around that. Then the man is the breadwinner and the hunter-gatherer, etc., etc. <coughs> there has to be flexibility in mm -hmm. those roles mm -hmm. and the society that we're living in, that happens. Mm -hmm. But there's a, I think there should be that foundation and that understanding that that is the case, that if a woman decides to be a mother, then yes, the responsibility for bringing the resources in, bringing the meat in, goes to the man. Um, I, I suppose, just to kind of answer your question, to me, see, in an ideal world, whether I had a son or a daughter, if, say, on a CV, they had exactly the same skills, for me, the ideal would be that they would have the same opportunities that they wish to pursue. So that would include, like, nobody stopping them, nobody kind of chipping away at their self-esteem or saying, you can't do this. And that, for me, is ultimately the ideal. The other bit I always think is, to me, it's, it's that kind of thing of, you know, give a man a fish and he eats for one night, give him an eight, you know, and, and I, I suppose, it's, and, I, and I hope I'm not kind of being too challenging by saying this, but see, for me, I think what we actually need to be saying to, as a community is, everybody be able to stand up on their own two feet because sometimes if you for me personally I always think if you depend on someone and that person doesn't turn out to be who it is which is sometimes what we teach our mm -hmm. women your life could fall apart and that's quite a dangerous yeah. narrative yeah. however see having said all that it's I was you know I think we said this off here ultimately it's not really about who's making the roti and who's cutting the grass and who's washing the car ultimately all of that comes down to having a framework in which you understand another person so it could actually be a flatmate it could be you know your brothers and sisters it could be your mom and dad it could be anyone but understanding enough that you operate as a team and actually it's, it's not always about your own rights and I expect this and I expect that and that's whether you're male or female so for me I think if, if I was thinking what would I like you know my wee boy to grow up to be like then in an ideal world he's in a partnership he's in a team and he gives and takes in equal amounts and, and it doesn't really matter in a sense whether you know whether that's going out to earn as you say there's different variations and different models work for different people but the problem only arises when those models start to restrict or negatively mm -hmm. impact on one, one group whether that's gender or disability mm -hmm. or anything else Sheikh Amr yeah so um I mean, the, the hadith that's coming to me, my, my mind is uh, that each one of you is a shepherd and responsible for his <coughs> flock. So the hadith actually uh, goes on about uh, the responsibility of, of being a male uh, responsible for your family and also talks about the female being responsible for um, uh, the, the family as well, like the children. So the thing is, there are, I think, in terms of uh, reading, uh, I think in the early formative years, it is kind of generic virtues um, justice, honesty uh, helping the weak, that's not like, we're not going to just say tell, tell the boys to do not the girls to do it, I think everyone um, is going to get taught that um, so I think, but then obviously towards as they become coming into adulthood 
I think men have to be taught that look, you are, you will be in a position of responsibility. Um, you have to step up. Um, you have to make the transition from boy to man. Um, so you know, tomorrow you're going to be responsible for other individuals. You have to play that role. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to say to the women that's fine. A, a man's always going to look after you. Don't you mm, develop your skills? Mm. You know, we will obviously push our. Um, daughters to also become educated, learn every type of skill under the sun as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, inshallah, the 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 system that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made is uh, a couple. They have they grow up. They will have a family. The mother, obviously, the mother is going to look after the 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 children. That in itself um, needs to be valued. Because we live in a society which has devalued that, that mm. institution of mm-hmm. motherhood, mm-hmm. Um, because it leads to expressions like um, when you when you say, "What do you do for a living?" Oh, I'm just a, I'm just a mother, or I'm just a housewife. You're not just a housewife. You you are um, rearing, you know, the next generation. You know, your 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 role is so crucial. In fact, I remember, you know, one of my, one of my teachers, Sheikh Omar. Uh, and again, again, it's, it's it's about how you you you're rearing people. Um, I remember he was talking, and he just said out himself, and this is this is somebody who's in Yemen in a very, uh, you know, male-dominated society. He's a scholar, very, uh, and he said he goes, you know, something. He goes, I think my my wife's role is greater than mine, although nobody knows who she is. But he's Sheikh Omar. He does a khutbah and everything. He's very famous. He goes like he goes, I just I just teach and this and that. He goes, my wife gets up before me. She does her own tahajjud. Then she gets the kids ready. Then she goes. And uh, takes them, and she comes back, she then does stuff for me, and this and that. And you know, he gave me her schedule. He goes, "That's a that's a full on schedule." So it's it's the fact that he really appreciates what his wife is mm. is doing. He values what she's doing. The problem happens is when it's devalued. Mm. So it's like, well, what, what have you been doing all day? Mm. You know. So um, it's, it's the, the the problem is that we've our society has devalued that whole. Um, role of the mother and the crucial role that she plays. I always, I mean, when I look at um, like great, great people, if you look at the role the parents played, played a massive role. I mean, Imam Malik, his his mother used to tie his turban, you know. So and there's a, there's an instant where he's sitting in, in in Medina and he's doing a dars and he stands up in the dars and sits back down, and his students ask him afterwards. They said, well, you know, Imam Malik, why did you stand up? And he said, "Oh, my mother! I saw my mother come out to the roof, so I stood up out of respect for her." Mm. You know, so obviously he's teaching that to his his students through action. Again, it's an action, isn't it? It's not words; it's action. So they're they're witnessing. Oh my God, this is how I should behave. So if you look at even the Prophet Sassam's example, there was an instant where this man, um, uh, you know, he was he had he had his he had his son on his lap and he's had his, had his daughter next to him, and the Prophet said, "Don't do that." He goes, "You have to treat, treat them equally." His own daughter Fatima the Zahra, when she came into the gathering, he used to stand up for her, kiss her on the forehead, and then her seat her on the pl- the place he was sitting and move. You know, so he was he was showing through his <coughs> actions um, the value um, of of women, the value of um, um, mothers, the value of daughters. So I think it's a, it's about the value that. Um, um, we what we're teaching through our actions in terms of how we value things. I think if we get that right, then a lot of things will fall into place. And uh, I mean, in terms of are there any differences? There are some differences, obviously. But like for let's just take the example of hijab. That's a very obvious one. So the dress code is 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 different for women and men. But 
um, there's a laxity when it comes to men. I mean, the amount of men I see in the gym who got big beards and they got shorts on, and I'm like, you're showing your aura, yeah. you know, that that's not on. And I've I've corrected so many. In fact, I've actually got a video clip on this in my Good Life series at the gym. Um, Hopefully not off these people with the <laughs> no no no. But, but, but what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that yeah. what, what I'm trying to say double is standards. Yeah, the double bit, standards yeah. because there's a hadith that says um, that every community has an attribute, and the community and the attribute of this community is haya, is modesty. That applies both ways. Mm-hmm. That's for women and men. Okay, the dress code might be different, but the the virtue of modesty has to be taught to men as well. Some some guys. I mean, it's, it's a, I don't want to say, I have to be careful what I say, but I, I, I think it's inappropriate what they wear. Mm. Um, but the thing is, they will get away with it. If a, if a girl was wearing it, it'd be like fr- really frowned upon a lot more. The thing is, it's, it's equally bad, you know, uh, and, and so that idea of um, modesty has to be taught to both of them. Mm. But obviously clear things like men can't wear silk and, and so on, uh, which you're going to teach. So I think generally I would say, um, you, you, you're going to teach them the uh, same kind of virtues and there's going to be a, a few kind of um, differences here and there in terms of just like how um, teaching like um, um, like males how to respect women I think we have to uh, first of all like I said go back to the whole way of what they witness in the home what, how they're witnessing their, their parents interact if the, if the father is respecting the mother they will automatically understand that that's how I'm supposed to behave if there's disrespect going on, then obviously he thinks, but well, that's that's fine. That's what you can do. But I think it's not just about just saying, well, that's there's a problem with the Muslim community. There's a general problem in society mm-hmm. of dehumanizing women, or I mean, the whole role of porn, pornography, has had a massive impact and um, how uh, men view uh, women. And then there's obviously the the dramas that I'm sure a lot of people's people watch you know the the way the way people are treated in those dramas they they think that's normality as well mm. and then there's like things like the, you know the controversial things like the Fifty Shades of Grey and and so on so there's lots of external influences which 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 we're also exposed to as well and that also has an impact on our psyche um, so I think um, for me it's it's reviving those um, those ethics. And they should be taught. And the thing is, when we, one of the things that I think really needs to be taught widely is not just the seerah. So the seerah is the, 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 the story of the Prophet. He was six when his mother died. This happened, the Battle of Bahar, uh, Badr, the Battle of Uhud. But another subject which comes under, which is the shama'il, the, the kind of the attributes of the Prophet. How was he with his wives? How was he with children? How was he with the environment how was he with his companions how he joked how the Sahaba joked how was his humility how was his anger um, you know all these different um, situations that we find ourselves in how did the Prophet Sallallahu deal with it how would how would he deal with it and that I think um, is probably one of the key things that's um, missing in terms of um, dealing with a lot of this stuff so I think that's a lot of food for thought really and uh I think it raises so many different questions which hopefully we'll be exploring in other episodes. But we're coming towards the end of our time and what we'll do is just go around to all our guests if any final comments and thoughts and even any suggestions of if somebody wants to look into this a bit more or think about this, you know, what tips would you give them? So I'll just start with Saira in terms of any final comments and thoughts on this topic. Um, my well, two two comments. Uh, first of all, I think to raise the next generation of men, uh, it needs to start at home. 
um, just uh, again what Shikhamra said about parenting you need to show them what a man looks like what a man does so, uh, you know ideally that comes from the father I know there's a lot of families that a father doesn't you know isn't there so maybe other family members or family friends would kind of be involved in that but they need role models growing up um, they also their mother is a role model as well so for them to understand what a man is like comes from the mother and the way the mother is the way her interaction is with her husband her interaction with her son um, very, is really important um, so that's my first comment and the second comment would be um, the emotional needs so uh, again I kind of alluded to emotional intelligence before um, I think it's easier f for us to develop the emotional intelligence of our young girls because they are more inclined to talking about their feelings. Uh, I know my daughter is at six years old, she's very verbal. Um, and uh, just from my own personal experience, my boys weren't like that. They were more boisterous, wanted to run about, and that's how they show emotions, but we still need to talk about them. We still need to teach them, you are acting that way because you're angry. It's okay to be angry, but here's how to deal with it instead of them watching Avengers or John Wick and thinking you get angry and you throw things around because that's where they're learning emotional intelligence from. Um, so Samia? Yeah, it was just two quick points. I was thinking, um, I suppose, I think we've, we're on quite a long journey and I think it's going to take a few generations before we, actually possibly longer before we get to a point before I think things change really kind of actually meaningfully for a lot of females but for me the thing is just that I think at the moment my kind of philosophy is that we have to what I would say name it and challenge it and if you're listening to this and or you know you're having these conversations and it feels uncomfortable then it's feeling uncomfortable for a reason or you know if, if you're feeling quite worked up by some of the things said in this conversation you know I suppose we have to look at why that is the case and also why do we keep coming back around to this topic but that all said, I just like to always end up on a positive. I think I think things are changing, and I know we focused quite a lot on the on the negative today. But there are there is lots of good work being done, and I think the some of the narrative in some of our masjids and establishments and communities, some of that narrative is very very slowly changing. Uh, and I say it'll just take time. But it was really just to end up on, on a positive to say I don't think it's all doom and gloom. We're getting there, but we just have to push it. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Abdul Wadud? Yeah, um, I mean, mine is more a recommendation. So one of the things I did uh, just in preparation for the show was I read a book, or I'm still in the process of reading a book. I never finish books. Um, so it's uh, it's called The Wonder of Boys uh, by Michael Gurian. And actually, I found it really enlightening just for myself. I, I felt like I understood myself a little bit better, if I'm being honest. Um, and he talks about, you know, the needs of boys, the, you know, the differences in terms of the needs the fact that they can manifest, you know, anger in a different way, like Sister Cyrus said, um, it actually was very enlightening for me. So I, I definitely recommend people to, to read about it. I mean, knowledge is power and, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's called The Wonder of Boys by Michael Gurian. Excellent. That's a really useful uh, resource. And as always, Sheikh Amr, final word to yourself. Yeah, so, um, I mean, this this idea of, <clears throat> uh, I mean, I've, I've read... Uh, this um, in in like some of the Arabic kind of um, writers, like some of the kind of Arab scholars, they talk about this uh, loss of rujulia, which is like manliness, you could say, or masculinity, or whatever you want to say. So it's 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 something which is um, across the Muslim world that, that even scholars recognise that something's not right. That men are not, uh, or a lot of men, I shouldn't say men, a lot of men 
um, are are um, basically not hitting the bar as as much as they maybe should. So I think um, it's about like I was saying. I think personally, I think that the parents have got a massive role, and it's not just the father. It's like Sarah was saying, it's the mother as well. Um, the mother is a primary carer, and whatever you know, children uh, always have a strong link with their mothers. Um, and um, if if the mother is bringing her son up. Uh, and like I said, uh, the example of Imam Malik, his mother, even Imam Shafi'i, um, he shared a big part to play in his tarbiyah as well and his upbringing. And I can name others as well. So there was there was a lot of great women um, who were behind these these great men. So I think the role of the mother um, is extremely important, and as well as the father, and and how they both interact with each other. They have to be very conscious of how they interact and what their ch children are witnessing because. Um, um, children will, will grow up as that as their normality or frame of reference. Um, so if they've seen all the good positive stuff, then th they will reciprocate mm -hmm. that. If seen if they've seen like um, bad examples, then it can impact their kind of relationships as well. Um, and um, lastly, that just kind of like I said, I really think the key is an, more of an examination of the Prophet as a mm -hmm. as a person. How was he as a husband? How was he as a father? Um, I mean, the fact that sometimes when I when I mention like stories like the one I mentioned before about the Prophet standing for Fa Sayyidina Fatima, people are like looking at me as if they've heard it for the first time in their life, and some of them have. And I'm like, well, why is it that you're like 30, 40 years old, you've lived your life, and you don't even know how your Prophet dealt with his own daughter? Mm -hmm. You know, so clearly there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between us and the prophetic example. And if we f if we look at that, we'll we'll find all the answers there, inshallah. inshallah. So, um, Aman, I believe you know mentioning manliness. I think that's next week's topic. Yep. So yeah. I think today's discussion has been really good to identify some of the issues and will, is a launch pad really for the coming episodes uh, over the next uh, three episodes that we'll have on topics such as manliness and chivalry. Um, but I'd like to thank you all to all the guests for coming in, spending time, and sharing your thoughts. If you'd like, as listeners, to leave your comments, please visit us on our Facebook page at Radio Ramadan, or you can download the podcast on SoundCloud and just search for Arc Radio. Uh, but until next time, Jazakallah um, Khair for listening and take care. <laughs>